Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Alrighty, guys, we are back for another tactical throwback. I feel like we should have like special music for that moment right there. We are taking it back. And I am now sitting down to interview Abigail about all of the lessons and the mistakes and how the heck she got clients when she was doing one-on-one client work for branding, design, and website business building. Welcome to the show, Abby. Oh, thanks for having me, Emily. I love being here. (laughs) Are you a big fan of the podcast? I am a big fan of the podcast. I literally listen to every episode. (laughs) Well, that makes me happy. I hope you subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. That'd be great. So today we're going to give like the quick version of like what you did before, because we share this story a lot in a lot of other places, but not everyone knows that you haven't been doing this forever. So what did you do before? And then we're going to get into some tactics of how it all worked. Sure. So prior to TCC, I worked in the corporate design world. I got my fine art degree and went straight out of the gate and started working for big and small businesses alike. I work for anywhere from billion dollar to, you know, nonprofit to education businesses. I even work for a startup and then eventually was laid off. And that's where I really had the crossroads of, do I start my own business or do I just go find another job that I know how to do? I'd really kind of climbed that corporate ladder and gotten pretty good at, you know, finding my place in the marketing world. But I was ready for a challenge and I was ready for more. And having my own business was just always something that I wanted to do. And so I was ready to take on the challenge. And so in 30 days, I was able to completely replace my cushy corporate income, which we have a whole episode all about how I did that. And you can go back and listen to more on that. 
But I think we get asked by like everyone and their mother who is in business, specifically one-on-one service-based businesses. Okay, but I have my website and have it up and I've like figured out what I want to offer. So I open my doors in the virtual world and no one is knocking. So how the heck did you get your first round of clients through? Because I know that you had some clients that you were working with, even as you were transitioning from being laid off to like actually doing that full time. So where did you find those people? How did you get them in the door? Well, they really came from three different places and none of them were online. So I'll talk about all three separately. So the first place was really referral-based clients. I had worked in a small town, my college town, for a long time before moving back to Kansas City, which for here, it's the big city compared to all the towns (laughs) around it. So I... But I'd really established a name for myself in the smaller town. And so even though I had left, people still talked about my work and talked about the things I did. And I had taken on some freelance jobs while I was in my design career there. And so I had kept a couple of clients from my freelance days and was able to take those with me. And they would continue to give me referrals. So I would occasionally get people like from this small town two hours away that because they were still all talking to each other. But I hadn't really established a name for myself here And so that was a problem because I was pretty new to the city. I'd only been in Kansas City for about a year and a half. Despite growing up here, if you hadn't been employed in the city, people just didn't know who you were and you didn't have a name for yourself. And so creating a client portfolio was kind of daunting. There's a lot of design agencies in Kansas City. And so... I mean, big ones, like Mm -hmm. giant ones. And they gobble up a lot of these smaller businesses just because that's how they do it. Like they have big business that they work with, like Crest and I can't Colgate and like uh, those are both toothpaste companies. (laughs) I don't know why I pulled both those out, but they are big companies. I guess Gatorade, like I'm trying to think of other big names that I know they work with firms here. But they were also gobbling up these smaller businesses and taking all the design work. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get clients. So I did what I knew how to do. And that was network. And so I just started getting to know people. And I went outside of my bubble a little bit. And instead of trying to compete, I tried to fit in. And so instead of going and knocking cold on some of these businesses and saying, hey, do you need help? Like, I noticed your website sucks. Like, (laughs) let me do it for you. Which I know some people in town, that's how they do their work. They're like, oh, I can help you improve because of XYZ. I can help you get more business. And I just didn't want to run my business that way. So I went to some smaller design shops in town and approached them and said, hey, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of work coming in, but I also know you're kind of strapped for time. If you ever hire a contractor to help fill in the gaps, I'd like to be considered. So because of that, I got two pretty consistent clients that were actually other marketing firms. And 
they had their own clients. So I was like a third party contractor and I would work with their clients. And so that's how I got to work with bigger brands like Coca-Cola and, you know, um, Massage Envy and, you know, several pizza places and like bigger names was through these other marketing firms because they needed help. So what did you take into that? Like, did you literally walk in their doors with just yourself? Did you show them anything? Did you have cards? Like how, who did you ask to talk to? Oh gosh. I think I just like introduced myself. I don't even really remember how it all kind of went down. It was like friends of friends of friends. I know one of them, one of my friends actually worked there. She was the like marketing manager or something. And she did like project management at one of the firms and she was moving away. But she was like, I think you'd be a great fit. I've seen your work. I'm going to introduce you to my boss. And so I went to an interview as if I was going to get a job. Mm -hmm. So I went to this pretending as if I was interviewing to work for them as an employee. And so the same mindset, like I brought a resume, I had my portfolio with me, I had a lot of physical samples. But most of the time, I just spent talking about my process and talking about how I could work with them. I had a reputation for turning things around quickly. And in this field, that's a really important thing to have, an important asset, especially when you're bringing in a third-party contractor. Usually, it's because you're strapped for time and your employees are swamped with other things and you're like, oh... We need someone else. Or it was as simple as this other company I was working for. They had these projects and they only had one designer that did most of the work. And occasionally the clients would be like, I don't like it. Mm. And so they needed a like another take on it. And so I would come in and give like a different version of the same project. So, and I wouldn't often finish the project, which was a weird thing. Like I would come in and do like layouts for the homepage of a website and like establish the look. And if they ended up liking that, the other web designer would end up mimicking my style and taking it over from there, which I didn't really care. It was like just all part of the process, but Those two companies sent me a lot of work in the beginning. And then the third way I got clients was actually probably my favorite. I worked with another small business. She also had her own marketing company, but she, I mean, it was much more like this is the kind of work I want to do at the time. It was like she did branding, she did design, she did website design. Well, she didn't do website design at the time. I take that back. She just did branding and design. And I was like, I like the type of project she's working on. And so someone introduced me to her. And so I took her out for coffee. And she was at a unique stage in her business where she had to either start saying no to projects because she was just so full or she had to hire help. And so we worked out a situation where I would pay for referrals. 
So instead of like her hiring me as a contractor, she would say, so-and-so is interested in doing XYZ project. Do you have room? Do you have time? And I would say yes. So she'd send me essentially a very warm lead. I would reach out to that client, establish a relationship. And I would say eight or nine times out of 10, they would book regardless of what my prices were because they trusted her opinion. Mm -hmm. And then I sent her a percentage of the booking fee. And I loved that relationship. It established a lot of my reoccurring clients because after I had that initial project, I didn't have to pay her for other future projects, just the initial relationship start. So did you build that referral fee into your pricing? Yes, absolutely. So I definitely upped my prices at that point and really started thinking about, okay, this is a lot more than an hourly fee. Because I used to always think of it, how many hours is it going to take me? What do I want to get paid? Whatever. And instead, I had to think about what is the value to the client? What do I need to be earning to cover all the time it takes to get clients? Like that doesn't, nobody even thinks about that. But if you're spending 10, 20 hours a week working on getting clients, Mm -hmm. who is paying you for that time? You have to build that in somewhere. And so I would definitely build that into my prices for everything. And so even when I had those contractor positions with other marketing firms, I would always cushion it if I could. Oh, oftentimes that was an hourly rate, but it usually was a more premium rate. It was more more like double what I would charge um, an hourly rate to mm-hmm. like a normal customer. But that's that was I didn't do much hourly rates. I mostly did project fees because I could control what was going out the door. Well, and then you don't have to justify like trying to hurry to get something done and like not being pleased with the result and like battling all of that. Like, well, how long would it take you to create this thing? Yeah. And you're just letting the creativity come and like you can work on it whenever you want. That mm-hmm. I, I think that freedom really helps create a better result in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you did something else that may not directly led to clients or at least off the front end that you could see, but definitely opened up the door for more opportunities. I feel like it let you perfect your elevator pitch, let you meet other dreamy clients or who people who would at least know who those people were. And I think that this piece that you did that I know that you did that I want you to talk about, a lot of people forget if they think that they're going to take someone out to coffee or take someone out for a drink or pick up the phone to call someone, that that person that they're talking to has to be the person that's about to hire them. Mm -hmm. But you looked at this a little bit differently. So talk to me about all of the bajillion coffee dates you went on and who those people were. Sure. Yeah. So this is really the networking piece that I talked about. I didn't spend a lot of times going to those, you know, networking breakfasts or those like, you know, talks where you'd sit down for an hour and listen to somebody speak. Well, I mean, they can help for some things. I definitely went to a couple of those like, you give me a referral, you get points. I can't even remember the name of the group that does those. And it just never felt right. They definitely work for certain types of businesses where that makes sense. Like I think if you're in like 
the housing industry and you're like a carpenter, like obviously it makes sense for you to be friends with a painter and electrician and a plumber and all of that. Like I get that, but in my space, I was like, I could, I mean, the only relationship I really needed was a printer. I didn't need a ton of other relationships. Looking back, I probably could have had a really good SEO expert, but I didn't. And later I obviously found you and you were my photographer. But for the most part, I didn't really feel connected to other businesses. And so I needed a different way to reach people. And so I found people that I really thought were connected in the community and I took them out for coffee. And this is where I, when I learned to like coffee and it's when I, my caffeine addiction started getting <laughs> a little out of hand. I have since become caffeine free, y'all. It's it's a good feeling. But anyway, so I would take people out for coffee and I would sit down with them and talk to them about their life and talk to them about their business. Oftentimes they either own their own business or they were a high-level executive in a thriving Kansas City business. And I would see what kind of people they knew. And I'd tell them a little bit about my journey and where I was hoping to go. I didn't necessarily come at it from a, I want to sell you this thing and this is how I think I can help you. Because generally, they weren't people that I thought would be clients they were people that I thought would know my potential clients. Mm -hmm. And so I would get to know them. And I would really, you know, go out of my way to build that relationship. So that later down the line that if they were going out to lunch with somebody, or if they knew someone who mentioned something on the side, that instead of like going, Oh, I don't really know anybody who could do that they could say my name. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It didn't work immediately, though. That's the thing I want to tell you about is those other three approaches I talked about before, the building the referrals from like the past, like bringing those with you, that that helped me lay the groundwork, the having the marketing companies that already have consistent business they're the ones that were paying my bills those first couple of months. And then obviously having someone who was just booked to the max sending me people Mm -hmm. was amazing. And I was obviously set up for success. But those meetings that I was doing, then I would make time for them in the early stage of business, really a couple of times a week, every single week, they did turn into clients not necessarily right away, but they ended up being some really great ones and some ones that they weren't just like a $500 job that went away. They were like a $5,000, $10,000 project. I mean, they were a significant part of my income for the year. And so well worth my time, well worth the effort, Mm -hmm. and well worth getting to know people. So I feel like that was a lot of like, on the ground running grassroots efforts of getting your name out there, getting clients in the door. And a lot of people think, okay, I'll set up my website, I'll set up a little form for people to like, you know, reach out, maybe they'll do a discovery call. And like, I'll book a lot of people that way. 
Were you doing that? Did you have that option on your website for people to inquire within from there? And what were the, you know, did you get a lot of people coming through that way? So the website is what made everything else I was doing legit. So I had the website up. I had a lot of blog content. I had a lot of, you know, value add for business owners. And the really funny thing is I had completely taken down my portfolio from the internet. You couldn't find it. And that was because I wanted to transition. So I had always had a portfolio online ever since I got out of school. But because of the jobs I had had, because of the work I had done, the portfolio became very corporate, very Mm -hmm. modern, very masculine. And it just wasn't the kind of design work I wanted to be doing. And so instead, I worked on, you know, building that value in other ways. And then I had my packages up there. So I literally had no portfolio, but I was selling them design work. So they just had to trust that I was a good designer based on my website and based on my social media presence. And I honestly didn't put a portfolio up there, I think, until you and I joined forces. So Mm -hmm. almost nine months later. So for the first nine months of my business, you know, after that layoff, I had a full-time job. I was very, very busy and a zero portfolio on the internet. So what what were the rates you would say of the the clients you would get through the three ways you just talked about versus clients coming through inquiries on your website? So very few of them, if any, I don't think any of them mm-hmm. were from the website at all. I eventually started getting cold inquiries from the website after you and I started working together because there was just enough web presence there and there was enough web traffic. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that was nine months later that we started having that happen. But the only way that happened was because the whole time I was doing this like local in-person grassroots effort, I was building something online. I was mm-hmm. essentially it was a side hustle for the business because they were two very different things serving two very different audiences, but I was doing it anyway. And so the website was essentially just proof that I was a legit business and I existed. And so definitely when people like heard of me or I got a referral or something, they would go to the website and look at my packages and then ask me questions about my packages. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't think a single soul was from, they found me online. And I think the takeaway here, and I want people to make sure that they get this, is that you were making money and you were serving clients because you had to serve clients in order to make money because that's what you knew how to do at the time. By doing work that wasn't necessarily your passion work, but it was stuff that you were good at. You were building a presence online, giving away valuable content, talking to your future dreamies for free online through blogging, through Pinterest, through being active on Facebook in order to eventually turn the tables a little bit, to Mm -hmm. flip-flop 
who you were serving versus who you were talking to. And I feel like a lot of people think that those things have to happen at the same time. And I want it to be clear that you did almost two different lives under the same business for nine months before it became the same. Well, and it's even longer than that because the freelance business existed for years prior and I had a different website for that. So, I mean, the freelance business existed at least five years prior. So, I mean, we're talking six or seven years of just serving local people. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you have to wait that long at all. But I didn't, I didn't really realize I needed to start adding value in order to get the thing I eventually wanted until I eventually had that time in that space to do it. But I had, I mean, I was putting in a lot of effort. I I didn't have a ton of time because I was working on client work easily eight or nine hours a day to keep up. And then I had to, if I wanted to build this other thing, I was putting in, you know, another four or five hours at at the time. And obviously Mm -hmm. that changed eventually because now I definitely do not work that much like at (laughs) all. I probably need to work more, honestly. Someone needs to come say, Abby, what are you doing? My husband probably will tell me to work more. But but I put in the effort then so I could Mm -hmm. take a breather later. And and that was the time and space that I had then. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine doing it now. Yeah. no, you have to do it when you're a young, fresh kitten, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're 45 or 20. Exactly. Be a young, fresh kitten online and put in the work and then you can be lazy like we are now. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Your time is coming. Yes. <laughs> so let's take it back a second and I want to stay in the client zone. So you said you had mentioned that you had your packages on your website at that point. So no portfolio, but yes, packages. So mm-hmm. talk to me about what that looked like. Did you have your pricing on there? Did you break everything out all cart? Like literally what all did you share on that page? So I probably had too many things. I definitely had honed it back because before I used to say I can do anything from billboards to business cards. And that was just literally insane. Bunny-ass. Uh, which I still could. I mean, the fact that I'm the age I am and know how to purchase a billboard and who to call right. and all that, like that's an asset, but... We should get a billboard, Abby. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're expensive. Yeah. Don't don't get a billboard, people. Unless you live in a small town and they're dirt cheap, don't get a billboard. <sighs> but where was I going with this? Packages and offerings. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I had too many. And before it was like, literally, you could call me up. I would sit you down and I would say, girl, what do you need? How can <laughs> I help you? And that wasn't working. So because I would spend like gobs of time getting to know the person, gobs of time. No one knows what they need. No, no one knows what they need. So gobs of time, like figuring out what they needed. And then all this time researching how much it would cost because not only my time, but like a lot of the things I was doing involved printing costs. And so estimating print is like, a hassle. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was like, gosh, I really got to narrow this down. And so when I started doing website design and branding, I took off a lot of the print work from my website and really tried to focus on digital things, 
mostly because it was just easier from mm-hmm. my point of view because I didn't have to estimate every single time. I could just have a standard rate and this is what it was. This is what it included. And I didn't have to go, okay, well, you want a thousand. Well, I need to call my printer and talk to him about the paper and all that jazz. Because before that was what I was doing every single time. And obviously, if I established a client and they needed something, I wasn't totally telling them no. I was saying, okay, I'll work with you on that. But for brand new clients, I really tried to stick to my guns about Mm -hmm. this is what I offer but so I did still, you have the actual price listed yes, next to that yes. stuff? So everything had prices. Everything was clear as far as like you can get this price or this package for this price. This is everything it includes. And it was on one giant, ginormous sales page. Mm-hmm. And then I really was inspired by Ellen Company's like two-week design process. And I was like, Oh my God, that would be the life. That would be so amazing. And (laughs) that never happened. (laughs) That never, ever, ever happened. But I will say one thing it did, we, I did take away from that was I did have too many things I was offering. And so uh, slowly over time and with Emily yelling at me Mm -hmm. many times, I slowly started taking things off my plate as as far as what I would offer. And it well, kept and dwindling. Everyone makes that mistake at the beginning. Like yeah. we want to do all the things and we think that by by being the one-stop shop for our clients that that's the best thing for them. And it really isn't. Like A, people don't know what they want. People need to be told what they need. Oh, and it yeah. needs to be just really simple and clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after you kind of like cut the fat, did you restructure like did you like bundle stuff up as like predetermined packages for different types of people or like what did it look like once you cleaned it up? Once I cleaned it up, there was really only three packages that people could get. And I think there was a few a la carte items, but essentially it was like you got branding plus a very simple website and then branding plus a few like collateral items and your website got a little more intense Mm -hmm. and then branding collateral items your website got more intense and we offered photography and honestly I don't remember exactly what was in all of them but it definitely was a tiered approach to what was offered and I was surprised like Emily used to talk about how in her package days, how no one would ever buy the premium package. In my web design experience, I was surprised how frequently the biggest package was still too small. And Mm -hmm. so we still had to like, it'll be extra for this. It'll be extra for that. Extra pages. Yeah. And it was just because people were like, they want so much out of their website. And I Mm -hmm. think we were we were willing to give it to them, but they had to pay for it. So well, that was the same thing we found when we were redoing our website. Oh, I think I we got her biggest package and added more stuff on. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> right. sure. It's cool. But just tweak and and listen to your people and and listen to your people. But I also want to give you guys like 
the power and and the freedom to listen to yourself. Like, what do you want to offer? If you don't want to offer that thing just because you think your people might like it, like if you hate creating it, doing it, don't offer it. Like, you don't have to be the person that's offering it. If you don't like it, don't do it. The thing that I really discovered through this process was that I really liked being the project manager of my own business. And I've really started dreading working on the projects, which was unfortunate because I was really good at my job. And I, I have no shame saying that. Like, I think a lot of people get weird about saying, I'm, I'm good at my job. No, but really, like, I really came out with quality design work, but I don't know why I keep doing that noise. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for your ear holes. Sorry. I don't know why it just started being something I didn't look forward to anymore. And so I kept, we kept pivoting. And so I know we've talked about how we pivoted, but I want you all to be mindful. If you don't like, or if you start avoiding what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you need to really think about what you're offering and how you could change it. Mm -hmm. I know Spruce Road recently sent out an email about how, you know, she could offer website design and all this branding stuff and all this collateral stuff and like, go crazy. But she's really made a name for herself, like just doing branding. And it's beautiful work, like beautiful, beautiful stuff. And so how can you be known for one thing and do it well, instead of trying to offer all the things like I've literally created, like, product magazines and pop-up banners and billboards and stickers for jars of pickles. I mean, literally the craziness Uh that you haven't seen because we just literally never showed you that it existed. Yeah. We did everything, not just me, but Emily too. So don't be afraid to cut that out because Mm -hmm. We eventually did, but it took a long time for us to be okay with telling people no. So, okay, you've got some clients in, you're like building your audience, you're paying attention to your people, you've cut the fat on your packages. I want to talk now about the process of like, okay, someone calls or they email and they're like, I'm interested in working with you. I love everything I'm seeing what the heck is a discovery call? What happened inside of that call? And what's the process after? So if someone inquired, um, or if they found me online, I would book a discovery call with them. And I used to make it this thing where I would like book it and like set a time and like make it this crazy ordeal. But since then, I've learned my lesson, and I usually just picked up the phone. So I try to call them right away. So if they said they were interested, Mm -hmm. I would try to call them within 24 to 48 hours and just get them on the phone, catch them off guard a little bit, but be really clear, I'm only going to take up like 15 minutes of your time. Can you talk really quickly? And in that discovery call... I called it this. I didn't even necessarily advertise that I had it. Like some people later knew that I had discovery calls, but that's besides the point. Generally speaking, 
the client didn't even know this was happening to them. So Mm -hmm. I called them and what I would do is get as much information. So I'm going to tell you the good way I did this. I'm just going to skip the way that didn't work and just tell you the way (laughs) that worked. So I would call and get as much information as possible about them, their business, what they were hoping to accomplish, like what was their goal of the project. A lot of the times they would say they wanted X, but then they would tell me their goal and their goal, I was like, that is not going to get you X. Mm. So then I would have to reroute some things. And so I would spend the whole time spitting out questions. By the end of that call, they knew like very little about me. Mm-hmm. And I knew so much about them, but they felt really good about it because they just talked for 20 minutes and told mm-hmm. me everything they wanted. People love talking about themselves. Oh, yeah. So in that call, before we got off the phone, I booked a time to meet them in person if possible, if they lived locally, or if not, a time to talk again that was within the next couple of days, ideally, and if not in the next couple of days, within the next week. And at that meeting, instead of having that conversation that I had on the discovery call, which that was the mistake I would make a lot of the time in the early stages, was I would wait and have that conversation when I met them for the first time. Instead of having that conversation there, I would already have all this information. And so because I already had all this information, I would come prepared with a contract, with a plan of action, with what I wanted to accomplish with them, with my goals for their company and for their business. And I would spend time using the words and phrases they had told me and telling them what I heard from them, telling them what I heard their goals were and telling them how I thought what I offered would help them reach those goals. Mm -hmm. And then I would literally walk them through my contract. I would talk to them about the process of working with me, the timelines, what they could expect, how the whole thing would go down. And then I would say eight times out of 10, if not more than that, they would sign the contract in front of me. And usually I would get paid very promptly. I wouldn't be surprised. Many times those people would come the very next day and drop off a check for the deposit. And if it wasn't the very next day, they sometimes it was a lot of money. Sometimes it was like thousands of dollars. And so they had to move a couple things around. So we would occasionally have to deal with banking issues where it was like, it takes two days to transfer Mm -hmm. and then you have to write a check. So back then I was crazy and only had them write checks, which by the way, don't do that. Use Dubsado. Guys, (laughs) I was faster, safer, smarter. It's fine. It's fine. But I I would present to them that and they paid right away. And because they paid right away, then we could have a schedule and we could get started rather quickly. Yeah. And I would go from like 
never having known the person to less than a week later could land a several thousand dollar client or more. And that is how you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Go copy all of those tactics and get paid faster, guys. Yeah. Get your clients happy. Because all of that does, like, it's no different than what we do here, right? Like, we ask our audience what they need. Tell us what you're struggles with. It's it's just like the, the question that we tell people, like, what are you struggling the most with X, right? You hear all that in online sales. You do the same thing in one-on-one client conversations. You ask the same questions in your discovery call, in your form, in your questionnaire, wherever it's happening, hopefully on the phone or in person. And then you just put it back out to them and you word it and you say, here's how I can help you to reach these things. It's the exact same thing, guys. It's not rocket science. Nope. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to go into talk strategy to me. And instead of like action steps on what to do, I want you to go back and give me three to five mistakes that you would correct. Sure. Okay. So three to five mistakes. So I think the first one I made was expecting people to fall out of the sky from, (laughs) from my website. Yes. So I thought I had totally changed my process. I had put all the information on my website. I thought the website was going to be the game changer for me, but it was the exact same process as when I was freelancing, but like on hyperspeed. And so I just had to do the work. So I would say counting on people falling out of the sky was mistake number one. Mm -hmm. Mistake number two was offering too much and charging too little. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would say for all y'all, you probably can cut the amount of things you're offering in the service-based industry. I'm not going to say anything about products necessarily, but in the service-based industry, you can cut the amount of packages you have in half and probably double your prices. Yep. And then mistake number three, we didn't touch on this, but I spent a lot of time in the early stages talking a lot about me Mm -hmm. and... I learned quickly to shut up and listen. And so that goes everywhere. You know, on your about page, it's not about you. In your client calls, it's not about you. And when you're putting together a package, when you're giving someone a service, it's not about you. So being really humble about your past and really just learning to listen and tell people that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. And that has served me so well on everything else I've ever done since. So I hope that those will help you just refine a little bit and go out a little bit stronger. And I know you guys can book more clients. So it sounds hard. I know I've been there. I've been on the ground. (sighs) Those were the days, Mm -hmm. but if you do it right, you can make a fabulous living and be super profitable. So I'm excited for your future and look forward to seeing you crush it. 
Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.